Welcome to this week's edition of Leading the Way, powered by the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Influential people, high-performing organizations, creating a culture of success. And now your hosts, Scott Murray and Angel Carlton. Hello again, everybody. Great to have you along in this Sunday afternoon. We're going to be here till about 5 o'clock here in the North Texas area as we continue on with yet another edition of Leading the Way. Each and every week, we speak with the uh, top CEOs, leaders of major companies, corporations, nonprofits, and organizations, and they discuss their great success from leadership to innovation to collaboration to strategy to diversity, agility, talent, culture. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I'm Scott Murray. And I'm Angel Carlton. And we will be your... Uh, your able-bodied hosts uh, during the course of the next 60 minutes, so we're delighted to welcome you once again. And I would be remiss if I didn't, on this Sunday afternoon, also say this is a special Sunday afternoon, not only because of the great guest that's going to uh, share some great wisdom with us all here shortly, but it is Mother's Day. Yes, it is. And I know you have been a mother for a number of years, so... Angel, about 21. Ha- happy Mother's Day. <laughs> well, thank 21. You, Scott. Yes. You just told me the other day you just became legal. How do you have a <laughs> I son? I still 21? feel 21. Oh, How is right. that even all possible? Right. I don't even well, know. Well, congratulations on <laughs> well, yet another Mother's Day. Thank you. Another milestone. It so. is. It's a special day. And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there who understand the sacrifices and the rewards and the joys that motherhood brings. And, and you are a mother to one son, right? Yes. All right. About to be 21, huh? Yes. My goodness gracious. How about that? So he's probably, what, graduating college? Is he in yeah, school now? Yeah, he'll be a senior. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yep. Well, what's about, let me just very quickly, before we get to our special guest, best part about being a mom, what comes to mind? Gosh, just watching your child grow and evolve into such a caring, compassionate young man. He's got such a good heart, and uh, that's that's just been the most rewarding part for me. Just well, it sounds like you did a pretty good job along the way then, huh? That just doesn't come automatically, you know. He's good-natured. All right. You know, there's well, some good. of it's some of it's luck. <laughs> I Understand. Think, but, uh, yeah, Been there, you kind of yeah. you see a lot of yourself in him, and that's that's kind of cool too. Good for you. Well, I actually work with my son, so that's kind of cool. So I have great respect yeah. for him and. Hopefully it works the other way. I think it does. So that's a good thing. Well, let's get down to why we're here today. We're talking about leading the way. And of course, our presenting partner, I4CP, the Institute for Corporate Productivity, continues to stick around and be a part of all that we do. They're incredible, incredible stuff that they share with us each and every week. And I say stuff. I mean, it's above and beyond. And you, of course, are a director with I4CP. Yep. And for those of you tuning in for the first time, I4CP, as Scott said, is the Institute for Corporate Productivity. It's a Seattle-based company. We are a human capital research firm. So we discover the people practices of high-performing organizations, help improve workforce productivity for some of the top companies in the world. We work with Amazon, Microsoft, Starbucks, Ford, 3M, and... Uh, hundreds of other uh, major organizations. We share our empirical data with our members. We connect them with their peers. We provide them with resources and tools. So they're equipped to outperform their competition. And if you want to learn more about I4CP, just visit our website at i4cp.com. Well done. Thank you. Well, I'm really excited to introduce <laughs> our special guest today, uh, guest today because, you know, as we had a chance to meet him personally about a month, month and a half ago when he spoke at the I4CP conference yes. in Scottsdale, Arizona. And we went, whoa, this Very guy knows impressive. a thing or two about what we're talking yep. about. So let's get this guy on the, on the, you know, on the air sometime. And here we are. So now sit down. This is going to take a little bit because this bio goes from here to Lubbock. I tell you, it's a, it's, it's a long one, but it's great stuff. It's good. Michael Bush is his name. He's the CEO of... I love this. Of great place to work for all. Isn't that something? I like that. It's a global analytical authority on high trust, high performance workplace cultures. And he provides analytics to 10,000 organizations in over 57 countries on the planet. Also produces a number of annual, excuse me, annual best workplaces lists. And I'm sure that you've seen those before, Angel, including the popular Fortune 100 Best Companies to Work For list. I love that. And prior to that, and prior to all that he does with his great places to work, he was the CEO of Tetra Tech Communications, a billion-dollar global telecommunications infrastructure firm, and he was also a member of President Obama's White House Business Council, earned his MS in management from someplace called Stanford University. That's pretty good stuff right there. And as a matter of fact, the mission of his company, and I really like this, build a better world by helping organizations become great places to work for all. Now that I like. Talk I about inclusion, it. huh? Yes. 
what we talk about each and every week. Exactly what we hope to do with uh, Michael here on uh, Leading the Way this afternoon is uh, be one of the best places to work and be one of the best shows that he's ever been a part of. <laughs> we'll find out if he uh, if he likes it at the end. But in the meantime, we say hello to Michael Bush. How's that for an intro? It's a fantastic intro. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Scott. Thank Way you, too much information, welcome. right? No, no, no. Happy well, welcome. To be here. Now, you're from California. From California. Up in the northern sectors. That's right. So, uh... What do you think of the great state of Texas? It's do you like to come state, here? Beautiful state. Yeah, it's been uh, beautiful since I've been here, and I just can't believe the construction that's going on. <laughs> oh. I think everybody <laughs> wants it. to be here, clearly, and you're getting ready for everybody coming here. Well, yeah, we had from Jim California. Lentz. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. exactly right. And, and, and she yeah. plays to exactly where I was going. Angel said, from California. Jim Lentz, the CEO of uh, Toyota North America, was a guest of ours two or three months ago, and he talked about just the transfer that they did from from California to uh, to Texas, yeah. and we had a chance to see the, the the incredible culture and their campus that they have uh, just north of uh, Dallas, and it is unbelievable what they've done. So uh, it's great. So mm-hmm. some of these people, it took them a while, but they finally found out what was going on here in this yeah. secret out. The secret is out, yeah, that's definitely. Right. And I understand you were here earlier this week speaking at the Four Seasons in Las Colinas. Yes. Uh, what was the focus of that event? Yeah, that was. Um, a diversity event uh, for leaders of people who run large multifamily housing uh, businesses and corporations. So they came together, some of the top leaders uh, in the U.S. and actually around the world, to talk about diversity and inclusion. Awesome. So um, it was outstanding. Well, that's fantastic. Well, we are really excited to have you here today and uh, can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. We, uh, We start things off with a little something we call the lightning round, Michael, and it's just five questions, quick questions, quick answers, but it kind of gives the audience a, a little idea of who you are, what you're all about, maybe a little more from a personal standpoint than just a professional standpoint, okay? So buckle up. If you're ready, we're ready. I'm ready. All right, sounds good. First job, and what'd you learn from it? First job, scooping ice cream at Baskin Robbins. <laughs> no Yum. kidding, I yeah, like it. That was, that was my first job where I got paid. I worked for my father as a, he was a carpenter, so okay. I did some of that work. But the first okay. job where I got paid was scooping ice cream. What'd you learn from that? Um, I learned that you had to scoop every scoop two and a half ounces, <laughs> and um, uh, and that really mattered at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. If you overscooped, it wasn't good for the business. If you right. underscooped, the customers weren't happy. You had to practice, 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 and get it right. I learned measurement. Uh, was really important. Um, so I, I got a good understanding of inventory control and also the responsibility of meeting a customer face-to-face all day long. And um, if you do that right, it's really good for business. Interesting. Very interesting. Wow. All great lessons. Who knew from ice cream? No kidding. Chocolate chip yeah. mint. Yes. My favorite. Well, yes. let me jump in there and ask, because I know you got the next question here, yes. Angel, but play off of what you just shared with us. When was it that you said, you know, you talk about measurement. When did you realize I really want to focus on the things that you do day to day now. You talk about the top 100 companies in America. Where did that all come from? And when did you decide that's the analytical side of the world that I want to be a part of? I like numbers and I love numbers. Okay. So that's one of those things all I right. think that that is nature and then it gets nurtured. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was fortunate my parents uh, nurtured it. Um, so I remember at night uh, when the store would close, we would push all the ice cream down in the barrel and measure with a ruler to see how much ice cream uh, there was left in every container and how much we sold that day, and we'd know if we were over-scooping or not. Interesting. Um, so it just, I was just captivated by that. And the power of data to know, did we do well or did we not do well? We would know after we did that inventory. So uh, numbers uh, became important, and they've remained important. And so I think that when you're talking about business and you're talking about how people are treated and the experience that they have at work, you need to have numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about the, the right way to treat someone isn't really that useful if you can't help people understand, well, actually, the way you treat people is going to influence the numbers, mm-hmm. like revenue and profit. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And data is playing such a big role today. Wow. So the next question, our lightning round, who are your top two mentors in in life and how did they have an influence on you? Uh, My top mentor is Dan Whalen, who's currently my business partner. And I met him over 25 years ago. Um, So he's had a huge impact on my life, uh, both as as a business partner, but he was a person who taught me um, to use my time, talent and treasure to make things better in the community and to do it while I was working. Don't believe that you can work, be successful, and then do good things in the community. 
do them both at the same time. The and is very important. As a matter of fact, he would say that it's arrogant to say that you're going to succeed in business and then do good things in the community because you might not be alive to do good things in the community. Mm. You just don't know what life's mm. going to do. So you need to do it now. The present's very important. Mm. Great lessons. Yeah, I like that. Very much I like that. What's been the most significant experience or, or turning point in developing your skills as the leader that you've become? I think the most ex- significant experience was probably 2000 in March um, when the dot-com bubble bursted mm-hmm. and uh, business collapsed everywhere around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually out of the country at the time. And uh, it's just every place you turn, there was nothing but bad news. Um, there was no good, good, no good news to be found. And uh, that was a turning point. Going through it was horrible. Uh, absolutely horrible. But as I look back, it was a defining moment. Um, our business got through it uh, with a lot of luck and good fortune and a lot of hard work. And I learned you can get through anything through that. And I learned the way to get through it is how you treat the people. Mm-hmm. At a time like that, how you lead and how you treat people, uh, we cemented the loyalty and the teamwork between us, which just propelled us coming out of um, uh, th- that bust. So I, I learned... Um, at the worst moment that what do you need to do? Take care of the people. That's number one. Then you can work on your strategy and your tactics and your financing and things like that, but it's the people first. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Michael Bush is our special guest. We're going to be back with lots more of Leading the Way right after this. Leading the Way. It's about influential leaders and the business practices leading companies use to impact market performance. That's what the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, does on a daily basis. We work with leading companies from Amazon to Boeing and REI to 3M to not only discover the best people practices of high performance organizations, but the next practices, those that will define market leadership in the years ahead. Senior HR, learning, talent, and diversity executives from many of the most respected companies in the world rely on I4CP to ensure that their efforts will make the greatest impact on the business. After all, it's difficult to stay ahead by only looking behind. I4CP's focus on next practices is what today's top companies rely on to lead the way. I4CP, Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way every single day. And now back to Leading the Way, powered by the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Here's Scott McMurray and Angel Carlton. All right, welcome back, everybody. We are talking today with Michael Bush, CEO of Great Place to Work. And Michael, we're continuing with our lightning round questions. And the next one is, knowing where you've come from, where you've been on your journey to success, what advice would you give somebody, uh, a young professional in today's changing world? The advice I'd give uh, is there's always something that we don't like doing. And, you know, both in our personal lives and at work. And at work, it's important to learn how to get comfortable doing that thing we don't like to do. Creative people don't like the numbers, uh, oftentimes. You need to get comfortable with numbers. Um, numbers are very important in business. And there are some people who are very good with numbers but aren't that great with people, in quotes. Um, you need to get comfortable um, connecting with people and you can start by listening to people but these are normally things that some people say well that's just the way I am Uh, you can do better and your business is going to do better if you become more than just the way I am and are willing to try and and develop some parts in yourself that um, are uncomfortable but it's really going to pay off Mm -hmm. always good to stretch yourself challenge yourself learn something new maybe and Get out of that comfort zone. That's right. Absolutely. People appreciate it. Mm -hmm. You know, the one theme that I've already heard from what he shared in in our lightning round, which I love because it's it's exactly what I like to think I'm all about or I try to be about in my life. Kind, courteous, respectful. Everything you've said deals with those three verticals. Absolutely. So good for you. So that leads me to my last question then. How would you define the legacy you've created and continues forward? Um, I don't think I've created much of a legacy, um, so I have a lot of work to do. And uh, but I hope people say that I'm kind, courteous, and respectful. That would that would be absolutely fantastic. I hope people say that um, he was um, a good husband, he was a good father, and he did great things in the community, and he was a successful businessman. Mm-hmm. I hope people can say all those things. What's an example of doing something great in the community, in your opinion? Um, what I've done uh, for a long time, and 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 uh, continue to do is 
work with others on the most complex problems um, in the community that I live in. Um, problems like homelessness, uh, problems like kids going to school that haven't eaten before they got to school, uh, problems like uh, people working uh, two jobs but really not making enough money to support their families, problems like people working and not having health care. So these are basic complex problems. Those are the things that I've been really attracted to um, and have tried to put my time in, um, you know, as well as my uh, treasure, whether it be personal or corporate, um, because uh, it's one of those things where it doesn't seem to me like it's somebody else's responsibility. It's my responsibility. Right. Absolutely. And and it is. It's all of our responsibilities to care about it, our fellow human <laughs> species. Straight across Absolutely. the board. Absolutely. Every mm-hmm. single day. Well, I tell you what, let's get to the interview questions that we've got for you, Michael. Sounds and, good. Uh, um, as I think back, and as I mentioned to you earlier, we had a chance to hear you speak a couple of months ago at the annual I4CP conference in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. So the first question I've got for you today is very interesting to hear you speak about the great places to work being all about innovation and leadership. Then you kind of painted a portrait of a great place to work. So can you share with the audience the insights uh with our, our our listeners, some of the things that come to mind, you know, paint that picture for them. What would that look like, that whole scenario? Yeah, I, I think uh, many people have experience with a, a great place to work, and, and everyone has experience with a place that wasn't so great to work. <laughs> right. And, and, True. And, you know, and, and so as we think about it, and, and when you talk to people, and we survey people, about three or four million people every year, the things they say are that they want to be at a place where they enjoy the people that they work with. They want to be at a place where they feel like the people that they work with care about them, and they want to care about others too, even the introverts. And uh, when you care about people that you work with, you go the extra mile. Uh, It's been proven. So you have a sense of pride, and it affects the quality of your work, the intensity of your work. And, um, And we also expect at a place that's a great place to work to be treated a certain way by the people that we work for mm-hmm. by the leaders mm-hmm. and so we want to be respected uh, by the leaders we want to be listened to we want to be spoken to a certain way we want our ideas to be fully considered those are signs of respect we also want leaders to speak to us in an honest way and and and, and in a fair way and that means that if you ask a leader a question you're going to get an answer if somebody else answer leader asks the leader that same question they're going to get the same answer mm-hmm. there's not going to be a group of people <laughs> who get one answer and a group of people who get another answer and um, that leads to fairness, which is probably the most important thing. People want to feel that um, they're, they're, they're being treated fairly by, by their leader. And you can actually, uh, our data proves that, for example, let's say men and women. Um, if men and women are both feeling that our leader treats us the same, not very well, they will say, this is a great place to work because it's fair. Mm, Fairness is super important. But when you're feeling like one group's being treated one way and another group's being treated a different way, people say, this is not fair. And then they have a very negative perception. And there's that division that occurs, Th- that too. Will, that will naturally yeah. occur. And so th- those are, are the facets of it. The rewards on the other side of it, Scott, that you began to mention, are that when people have that experience of a great place to work, to find that way, which is um, really about respect, credibility, and fairness, they bring their full selves to work. That's the mm-hmm. thing that's unlocked. When people are commuting to work, they're thinking about what they could do to get something done faster or get back to the customer sooner. Um, when they're mowing the lawn, they're thinking about what they could do at work. This just naturally happens. You can't buy this. You can't buy the commitment and unlocking the creativity inside of people, which gets innovation going. Mm-hmm. So our research has shown that right now and looking to the future with technology coming, it's all about innovation by all. Innovation can't be in the hands of a few people. Innovation can't be in the responsibility of top management. They can't innovate fast enough now. Mm-hmm. It's just not possible. They're just not capable enough. You have a whole work, whole workforce, as much of it as possible, focused on uh, innovation. We call that innovation by all. And the way to get innovation by all is having for all leaders. Mm-hmm. I like it. We're leaders. definitely going to want to okay. hear more about that's that. That's what that's all about. 
Absolutely, because we talk a lot about innovation on the show, and and we talk a lot about diversity and inclusion. And you spoke earlier this week, as you mentioned, on that topic to the multi-housing uh, industry mm-hmm. here in Dallas. So how does diversity and inclusion play a role at ranking towards the top of the list as a great place to work, Michael? We have some, the way we, what we measure is something called maximizing human potential. That, that's what we do because we believe that's what it's all about. Um, because sometimes with diversity and inclusion, people can think about the differences, uh, and which should be respected. But uh, the thing that should be held in common is everybody should be bringing their full potential to work. So it, it bec- it's a unifying theme. You're, everybody is paying employees a, uh, a salary. They're paying employees some benefits. And why not have that employee that you're paying bring all of their, all of themselves to work? If you're not doing that, you're leaving money on the table. So you don't have to spend any more. You just have to treat people in, in the ways that we're describing. So what we do in our survey is we measure it. We measure the differences between in the work experience between full-time and part-time employees, between engineers and non-engineers, between men and women, um, so that we can show leaders, you've got these gaps. Right. This group of people is having a fantastic time, and look at the results. They're awesome. You know, they, when you ask them, do you expect to work here a long time? They say yes. That's it. We ask the question, and that's what they say. Somebody else who's having not as great a time, do you expect to work here a long time? They go, maybe. Hmm. They're, they're not as committed. So um, you, you want to be able to have both groups um, have, have this uh, the same ex- experience. So we, we chose to use maximizing human potential. Um, and we choose to say for all so that everyone is included. Sometimes when you say diversity, people think you're talking about certain people, but you're not talking about everyone. Start, start counting numbers and uh, looking at just representation. And um, we feel like that slows down what you should be doing, which is just getting the most out of absolutely everyone. And, um, and when you create that kind of a culture, everybody feels involved and included, uh, as they absolutely should be. And then you can work on things like representation. Because if you don't have a place that's inclusive, when you get uh, change the representation, people aren't going to stay. Right. Got wow. about two more minutes before we have to take another break. So let me ask you, play off of some of the things that you've shared with us. Somebody out there listening saying, oh, gosh, I'd like to work for that company. So they think, we need to change where I am. So if companies know these things will make them better, what might be the reason or maybe the hesitation for not changing to some of the things that you've just shared with us? I think it's fear. It's fear. Okay. Pe- people are, are, especially right now in 2018, uh, most businesses are doing fairly well. Small businesses are having trouble because it's hard for them to hire people right now. But uh, big businesses are doing well. Balance sheets, have I don't think they've ever been better uh, than they are right now in this country. So um, why change? Why should I change? Because if I change, I might lose something that I have today, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, or not get something that I want. This is the basic human reaction, I think. I don't think it's racism. I don't think it's sexism. We have those things. I think it's this other thing. It's uh, This has been working. And so um, what the data is showing is that if you will do something that's uncomfortable, like question your beliefs on this issue, the data is showing that you can actually make more money you can do even better. The pie can get much larger if you're willing to create a great place to work for all. You know, if you're willing to to go beyond what you're currently doing and get more people involved in it and challenge your leaders to lead in a different way, which starts by the CEO leading in a different way. So they have to take the risk and walk through this fear and uh, get to the other side. I think that's what it is. I know this. I talk to CEOs all the time and they will go, Michael, those things sound really good, um, but <laughs> things are going pretty well. And I'm like, look at this data, because we have the data. We, we have the data that the companies on our 100 best company list outperform uh, the S&P 500 by a factor of three. Not a factor of two, a factor of three. That there are investors, hedge funds that solely buy our list companies mm-hmm. wow. and have done that for 20 years. And the results are public. People, Fortune Magazine has done articles on how these people have done. So uh, for us, it's you don't have to do it because it's morally right. 
you don't have to do it because you should treat people respectfully. Mm-hmm. Maybe you weren't raised by parents like ours, okay, who, who have that belief. If you just want to be a hardcore capitalist and make more money, this is the way to do it. And it's more important now than it was in the past. Uh, Elon Musk just tweeted um, just a few days ago that he underestimated the power of human beings <laughs> in his automation path. And he says he's paying for it now. Interesting. He's pay- he Interesting. just tweeted wow. that. A, a guy who's been all about robotics right. just tweeted, I underestimated it. Interesting. I yeah. underestimated it. So he's figuring it out. One of the leaders in implementing automation. Oh, gosh, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I think yeah. we need to follow that that right. guy I thought it was an awesome tweet a humble thing to do mm-hmm. um, absolutely uh, by a leader and we need to follow yeah, yeah and it's not about what's happening right now so much as it is about setting the organization up for the future and I think because so many industries have been through such transformation that uh, they're actually enjoying this kind of nice yeah. <laughs> smooth time absolutely so the fear of upsetting <laughs> the apple cart absolutely leave it alone right makes sense <laughs> all right we're going to be back with more of Michael Bush here on leading the way right after this what are best practices are they what set you apart from your competition Or are they simply what most companies do to stay in the race? At the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, we focus on next practices. And that focus is what today's high-performance organizations rely on to lead. Next practices are tactics and strategies that our research has discovered have a great impact on market performance, but that few companies are using. They are what will define market leadership in the years ahead. I4CP helps you see around the curve so your company can adapt and take advantage of emerging trends in the ever-evolving world of human capital. We want you to lead the way. So join our team, I4CP, Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way. And now back to Scott Murray and Angel Carlton and Leading the Way, powered by the Institute for Corporate Productivity. Welcome back to Leading the Way. Scott Murray along with Angel Carlton as uh, we talk to some of the greats, some of the top CEOs and just the, the great leaders in our in our world today. And Michael Bush is certainly one of them. Great place to work. And he's talking about uh, what it takes to be the, the best place in, in America, to be a part of something very, very special. Angel, you want to continue forward? Sure. I mean, it, it is fascinating fascinating to look at the lists of the best of the best, especially when talking about things like your 100 great places to work list. I mean, what an honor to be on that list. So what is it that separates these companies from others? And I'm really curious about the type of leader that leads these organizations. I think number one, Angel, is the type of leader cares what their employees think. They survey their employees. So I, I think that's number one. That's what all these companies do. And their employees know that they're being surveyed. So that creates an accountability for management because if you survey and don't do anything, morale goes down. It works against you. It's better not to survey at all. So the, these leaders are willing to, to, to step out, take a risk, and see what their employees think. And then they get results that enable them to know how much trust there is in the organization. That's one of the things that we measure. So these leaders care about trust. These leaders care about whether ex- their employees are experiencing their the values of the company. These leaders care about their leadership teams and how they're treating each other and the people who work for them. These leaders care about innovation, and they, they understand that there's an experience that employees can have that creates more innovation. And these leaders care about financial growth, um, you, know, you know, which is kind of obvious. And these leaders care about maximizing human potential. So that's the thing that sets these companies apart. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and that's, um, and, and not only they survey them, they take these results, but it sounds like they also put into action, but the change into action, which also builds that trust. That's right. Because if you don't, yeah. you're going to hear it in the next survey. Right. <laughs> or they <laughs> yeah, won't take right. it. <laughs> yeah. What difference does it we make? We don't see right? them anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Michael, you're certainly most familiar with I4CP and the information it studies and certainly shares about the important elements of high performing organizations. So I4CP has shown that two of the most important elements right now are collaboration and agility. So my question to you, Michael, is this. How do these two elements play a role at the high-ranking companies you deal with at, at Great Places to Work? Yeah, so uh, we're very much aligned with I4CP, <laughs> very, very much aligned with, with their findings, uh, their approach, uh, j- perfect alignment, mm-hmm. you know, as a matter of fact. So here's what we know. People aren't going to collaborate 
and uh, people aren't going to be agile if they don't trust the people they work with and the people they work for. It's as simple as that. Agility requires a leader to say, you know what? We were going down this path. We decided we're going to shut off that product line and invest that money in the other product line. And we need everybody to move and we're going to redefine jobs. Uh, We may do some plant relocations. They say a whole bunch of things. Normally what happens is employees freeze because they're afraid about what's going to happen to them. They're not ready to follow. When you have a high trust culture and people trust the leader, they're like, let's go. And and we ask the question, do you have confidence in where the leaders are leading the company and how they make decisions? That's how we know this. So these aren't my opinions. The, the, these are proven in quantitative data. Trust drives agility. Collaboration as well. If people don't have, don't believe that the people that they work with are competent and are capable um, and are trustworthy, and if they don't care about the people they work with, they don't care about their ideas either. You can't collaborate without caring, without listening and feeling that you're listening to. So we think um, the foundation for collaboration and agility, the data is pretty clear, is trust. Amen to that. That's huge. And, and the leader uh, setting that example, being agile, uh, herself or himself uh, also sets the tone for the team, for the employees, and uh, helps build that trust too. Yep. So agile leaders are really important in in driving that. So you you know, in talking about agility and collaboration, um, it, which is front and center today, mm-hmm. I think uh, we, we talk about it all the time on this show. Have some fun with us and share with our listeners as we become even more of a high tech world today. What the great places to work what will they look like in the future in the next decade or so and the ultimate leaders what will they be like i think in 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 the next decade for sure um there will be a way i I think this is um two to three years away employees are going to pick where they're going to work based on the leader they're going to work for Hmm. it's not going to be the company that's going to be the huge shift so uh, leaders need to get ready Um, because there's a new level of accountability coming. Uh, Many companies are right now surveying their employees every day, kind of a survey question a day. Many companies are surveying their employees every week. And some companies, some people listening might say, that sounds kind of crazy. It's a growing trend because people are realizing you need to know what your employees are experiencing and you need to react now. You can't do it once a year. Uh, that time frame, time frame is too slow. So uh, I think that there'll be, uh, just like Glassdoor exists right now, uh, f- as a way for companies, for people to find out what it's like to work at company XYZ, people are going to be able to go and see what it's like to work for Michael Bush uh, beyond just the reviews that somebody might um, randomly or anonymously publish. I think there's going to be a way to know, um, does Michael Bush survey um, uh, his employees and what are they saying? There's going to be a way for that to happen um, that uh, is believable for the person looking for that kind of information. So I think that's going to be the biggest change. It's going to be about leaders having badges that you are a great leader based on what your employees say. And uh, and then companies are going to be working hard to make sure their leaders are great leaders. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love that. You know, and I tell you what, Michael, is, is, is the two of us sit here and listen to what you're saying. It's most intriguing to both both of us. What you get a part to what you, what you get a chance to be a part of every single day. It's it really is neat. So I'm kind of curious what you uh, what you enjoy most about the job that you do, traveling around the country, sharing the message that you're sharing here on the radio with us today. But what it is that you enjoy most about the world that you are involved with today? What, um, what comes to mind? Yeah, the thing that makes you feel the greatest is something that I'm unprepared for every time which is to be at a company that um, is recognized as being uh, one of the 100 best companies to work for. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, we have other lists, small and medium-sized business, companies, companies, fees uh, for women, et cetera. And when a company wins that, the leaders are happy and proud. The people go crazy. I mean, they go crazy. They are playing music. They are at the ice cream social. We get all the videos. They go absolutely crazy. People really love this. The leaders underestimate this because they don't just think a, it, a great sense of pride. Is that what it is? Oh, it's a huge imagine. sense of pride. Yeah. And, and this is about us and the people and, mm-hmm. you know, and the people that we work with and the public recognizing what they are already feeling. And then they want more of it. 
you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. they just work harder at it. It's spontaneous. It's 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 hard to explain. I got to, I get to see it, yeah. and and so uh, that's truly remarkable. The other thing is a moment where you're talking to a leader who uh, is kind of stuck, conti- wanting to con- keep doing what they're doing, and they become curious. Something happens. Something personal happens, and they kind of open up. You know, I've seen this where uh, I work with a CEO who will say, you know, um, I've got three daughters. I want them to be treated a certain way when they enter the workforce. These are powerful moments, and it affects the way that leader leads. Um, And, um, uh, you know, or some experience that their sister has. And all of a sudden, they go, wow, you know, I didn't know that this happened. These kinds of things happen. So I enjoy being with leaders where something is happening personally in their life that affects the way they want to lead and go forward. And I get to experience that. Um, so, cause there's some leaders who believe everything they're hearing on this broadcast. Mm-hmm. They believe everything that, that I4CP does, all the things that, that, that we believe in. And then there are leaders who absolutely do not believe it. And they let you know pretty quickly. <laughs> why, why would they not believe it? Because to me, so much of this is, first of all, it's intriguing. And I go, oh, gee, I never thought of that. But for the most part, it's common sense. It, it, it's common sense to us, Scott. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's not common sense to everybody. Really? Okay, ab- Even if they see the results? Even you can put all, you can show the stock market results, you can show the growth in earnings, you could show the growth in market share, you can show the growth in revenue, you could show the growth in innovation, right. number of projects funded, all the data that we're able to show that I4CP is able to show. Well, where does that negativity or that pushback come from? Um, I think it's fear. I, I really think it's fear because, um, for example, people will contact us all the time and go, hey, we'd like to be on your list. Um, what do we have to do to be on your list? Well, first we survey your employees. Click. <laughs> you know, they'd much rather fill out a survey or something like that. You, you know, just kind of ask management to respond. Once you say that, because for, for our list, the score is determined by the employees. Management can't shape it. It's determined and driven by the employees, and you can see it. As soon as you say it, they will go, oh, wonderful. We'll get back to you. Right. And we don't no hear kidding. from them. We don't hear from them. Well, and then what's the process? So the, you do So they're survey. gone. Okay, they're, yeah, they're gone. They're, they, those, they, those people are gone. They, but, they, they yeah. don't come back. The other people right. go, okay, I think this is interesting. Talk to us about it and, and get us some references. And then um, they say, let's run the survey. And, and from the time that you say, let's run the survey, you can run it 24 hours later. Um, email the employees and depending on sizes we get out a statistically significant number the employees fill it out within a couple of weeks and then the software gives the company results and they can see where they have some problems and every company every company has pockets of greatness in it every single one I mean it doesn't matter we have we survey companies that are putting people in mines in the earth in very dangerous situations in in tough places around the world and you will find pockets where employees will say it's a this is a great place to work and you'll go really mm-hmm. okay right. <laughs> and, and you'll and then you study it it's the leader yeah it's the leader of that group who they f- will say things like he'll do anything for us we ran out of water he ran up the hill and got us mm-hmm. water. Things very basic, just like that. So it's not about the wages. It's not about being in the tech sector. Um, and, and in Bogota, Colombia, and in Dallas, Texas, workers want the exact same thing, to be treated with respect and to be treated fairly and to be communicated with in an honest way. It doesn't matter. These are the basic things that unite us as humans. We're, right. we're, not, we're not different. Um, we're actually exactly the same in how we want to feel about the people we work for and the people that we work with. So the survey determines the ranking, and the then, determ- or then they go back and they do the work to yeah, improve yeah, their ranking. Yeah, is that- so the the survey determines the ranking. It spits out a number, and there's the number, which which uh, is is an algorithm based on trust, values, f- innovation experience, financial growth, maximizing human potential, and leadership effectiveness. It massages those. Bang! There's a number. Bang! There's the ranking. Unbelievable. It, it's as simple as that. Love it. And, I've, I, and I love those lists. I'm a list freak. It doesn't matter what it is. You, you are. Know, it, it just, <laughs> I'm a list freak. And so I love things like that. Um, final thought. We've got about 30 seconds left. So I'd like you to, you've just given us a plethora of knowledge, all kinds of information. This has been wonderful. But 
You've got the platform. You've got the stage. You've got 30, 45 seconds to share with us now the most important message that's the takeaway from everything that you've shared with us today. What's the one thing you want people out there that are employees of whatever company they might be, or maybe they're maybe they're a CEO, whatever it might be. What's the takeaway and what's the, the message that you'd like to share with them all? If you're a CEO, the message is you got to know what your employees think. You got to know what they're experiencing. So uh, it's just not random thoughts. It's what are they experiencing? So find a survey tool that's going to enable you to do that. It all starts there. And then you get the results. You got to hold your leaders accountable. You have got to find a way to measure the experience that employees are having and holding leaders accountable to that. You can't keep holding leaders simply accountable to numbers that have to do with profit and loss, budget performance, and things like that. you got to hold them accountable to this thing, too. And it's becoming more and more important. We have the facts to back it up. If you're an employee out there, try and encourage your leaders to, um, to do a survey. Um, to, to give it a try. And I'd say if you're young in your career, I would really look for companies that seem to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be working with us. They might be working with others. Um, I would look for companies that are doing business with I4CP because that means they care um, because it's serious work. And I would pay attention to companies that aren't. Um, it would be a way for me to know what the leaders are caring mm-hmm. about. What are they investing in? And these are two examples that, um, not the only examples, but two examples that that they care about the experience that you're going to have when you go to work there. The name of the company is Great Place to Work. He's the CEO. His name is Michael Bush. We can't thank you enough. You have been just great. Thanks for taking the You've time. Been awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Scott, and happy Mother's Day, Angel. Thank you. Thank you very <laughs> All much. All right. Thank you much, Michael. We'll see you down the road, I'm sure. Continued success. And we're back with our insight segment right here on Leading the Way after this brief timeout. Leading the Way. It's about influential leaders and the business practices leading companies use to impact market performance. That's what the Institute for Corporate Productivity, or I4CP, does on a daily basis. We work with leading companies, from Amazon to Boeing, and REI to 3M, to not only discover the best people practices of high-performance organizations, but the next practices those that will define market leadership in the years ahead. Senior HR, learning, talent, and diversity executives, the most most respected companies in the world, rely on I4CP to ensure that their efforts will make the greatest impact on the business. After all, it's difficult to stay ahead by only looking behind. I4CP's focus on next practices is what today's top companies rely on to lead the way. I4CP. Institute for Corporate Productivity, leading the way every single day. Welcome back to Leading the Way. Here are your hosts, Scott Murray and Angel Carlton. Welcome back. It is time now for the I4CP Insight segment. And with us today, I4CP CEO, Kevin Oaks. Hello there, Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Angel. Hey, Scott. How are you doing? Well, we're doing fine. Happy Mother's Day, although I guess that doesn't pertain to you, huh? <laughs> no. no, but I wanted to say it's Angel, so happy Mother's Aww. Day, Angel. Well, thank you. Very good, and we'll give you your chance in June to uh, say happy Father's Day. But in the meantime, I tell <laughs> you good. what, uh, I tell you what, Kevin, as we uh, we listen to all that Michael Bush had to share, share with us, I thought it was great. Uh, of course, you're doing this every single day, but your team at I4CP saw fit to invite Michael to your annual conference that we made note of in Scottsdale, Arizona, back at the end of March. So I just wondered what it was that you liked most about what he shared then at the conference and what you thought he would share, or you never would have brought him there in the first place, and then, for that matter, what he just shared with us here on the radio today. What comes to mind? Yeah, actually, I'll talk about before the conference. Michael and I have been involved in an organization called the CEO Action for uh, Diversity and Inclusion Coalition. Mm -hmm. It was started by uh, the CEO of PricewaterhouseCoopers. So I first met Michael uh, at one of those meetings, and we were immediate kindred spirits and uh, just really loved what, uh, you know, his outlook on things and uh, what he had to say about successful organizations and uh, asked him to come to our conference and be a keynoter. And it was very clear why he was one of the highest rated keynoters at our conference, because he really uh, shared with the audience a lot of the same things he just shared uh, on the show about what it takes to be a great organization, what it takes to be a great leader, and what employees are really looking for in great leaders and companies. You know, when he talked about trust drives agility and you can't collaborate without caring, I just thought that was over the top. And that kind of plays to exactly what you just said, because in the time that I've known you, in the short time that I've known Michael, I understand exactly what you just shared with us a moment ago. 
Yeah, I wrote down, he had the one quote that I've got to get on the front page of our website, I think. Uh, he said, um, I would look for companies doing business with I4CD because those are companies that care. <laughs> so I thought that was a nice little advertisement. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but, uh, but, you know, clearly uh, the, the companies that he is dealing with and his organization is dealing with, they get it. They understand what Elon Musk was, you know, saying that, you know, Elon Musk underestimated the uh, influence of, of humans or, you know, paraphrasing there. But, uh, you know, I think many organizations today, they recognize that they're going nowhere unless their employees are in lockstep with them. And it's not just being aligned around the strategy. It's really going above and beyond. It's being engaged uh, with the organization and really believing in the mission of the organization. And that's where you get that innovation that happens uh, and where employees can be agile as the uh, as the industry moves and the company shifts absolutely yeah and you know going back to what scott was uh, just asking and and michael spoke a lot about trust and how trust is really impacting uh agility and collaboration and the employees really need to trust their leadership in order to collaborate together i know we have done a ton of research on these uh both of these elements in the workplace but, Kevin, I'm wondering, uh, what advice do you have for leaders who know they need to build trust within their organization? Well, as Michael was talking, I pulled up a checklist that we created in uh, one of our most recent research reports on agility. And uh, so, Scott, you, know, you're, you said you're a list freak. Uh, so <laughs> let me uh, yes, I am. Let me give you a, uh, an agile leader checklist. There are eight items on here that I think are critically important and really mirror what Michael had to say. So number one is identifying and breaking down structural silos. So that means, you know, the, the, the traditional hierarchy in the organization just going across those uh, traditional silos. The second is developing and or moving talent to address changing business needs. And we've done an entire research report on talent mobility and how important it is for managers to both develop people underneath them and then move them or promote them into better positions. The third was creating a safe and inclusive environment. And Angel, this is where trust really plays a big role. Uh, when people trust their leaders, they feel included. And they, an inclusive environment really is one of the keys to having a great organization. The fourth is encouraging intelligent risk-taking. And that's one of my favorites because it really is all about innovation. And it's all about creating an environment where mistakes are not only accepted and, and not punished, uh, but they're almost encouraged because it's part of the innovation process to make mistakes and you treat that as a learning experience. The fifth is establishing the why of work and nurturing a shared sense of purpose. And we see this in many top companies where every employee really understands what they're doing, how it impacts the organization overall, why it's important, and having an overall purpose in the organization. That's, that's part of what I said earlier is having that mission and everybody believing in it. The sixth on this list is goal setting and ensuring teams are clear on priorities. And a big part of that is transparency and what Michael talked about is, is fairness, you know, just really treating everybody the same, uh, being very clear on what's expected uh, and being very uh, uh, transparent on what's expected. There's no hidden uh, secrets. You know, there's no, um, uh, I guess, innuendos um, that you've got to try to understand. The seventh on this list is helping others establish productive connections across the internal enterprise. And we see this being very critical in the onboarding process. Uh, it's one of the biggest predictors of whether somebody flames out in six months or a year or whether they really make it in the organization is how quickly they establish uh, connections inside the organization that will make them successful long term. And then the last one is, and number eight, is building relationships with external stakeholders. And great leaders are doing this on a regular basis. They are extending their influence beyond the walls of the organization and really uh, working with suppliers, distributors, but most importantly, customers uh, to understand what is happening out in the industry and how they can be a much better organization. So those, those eight things make up our Agile Leader Checklist as part of that recent report. And I thought Really, Michael touched on every single one of those Agile Leader checklists, and that's why I think Michael and I are 
just a real like mind and why his organization and our organization uh, really look at things very similarly. Well, let me tell you this, uh, Kevin. Shorthand is not my forte, and I was fascinated, as you said, with lists. I didn't get all eight. Make sure I get that, will you? I'll get them to you. I will email that to you. (laughs) All right. right. Thank you much. How about your thoughts about what Michael shared about the future of great places to work and the leaders being evaluated by future talent when they're choosing a company as to where they would work for? Yeah, I'm kind of surprised it's not already uh, invented the glass door for leaders. Um, that's uh, that clearly is something that people are going to be looking at long term. You know, the old adage uh, when people quit uh, their job is they don't leave companies, they leave people. And I think that's really what he was referring to. You know, people want to go work for a leader they believe in uh, and they're going to stay when they really trust that leader. When, uh, you know, they they recognize that this is a person that's going to help advance my career. And, and probably most importantly, it's somebody who is teaching me something. Uh, you know, as a as an employee, I'm now learning from that leader. And we can all think of bosses that we've had, Scott, that t- just taught us a tremendous amount. Those are people we generally trust. Uh, and those are people that, you know, we go back to time and time again and would do anything for. And I think that's really what he's referring to when he talked about that glass door for leaders. Yeah, the ones you always work the hardest for, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. So important. Well, we probably only have time for this one last question, but I want to ask you about people analytics. And we understand the importance of surveying organizations for research purposes. And Michael has certainly developed I mean, a, a very successful business model serving employees within the organizations. But I want to ask you, Kevin, how crucial is this data being collected in making organizational changes for the future? And do most companies even know how to analyze it effectively and what to do with that data? Well, I'd say companies are getting there, Angel. Um, It's still somewhat early in the entire industry of workforce analytics and how we use data to run the workforce inside an organization. Uh, But there's been a lot of effort over the last uh, couple of years and continues to be a lot of effort in understanding that data and gathering that data. And I think it's all in the spirit of uh, making decisions that are empirical uh, and having a data-driven approach to to decisions as opposed to a gut-level approach. Um, Oftentimes, the gut-level approach uh, introduces a lot of biases. Uh, It introduces... um, cronyism, uh, you know, and a lot of things that get companies in trouble. And what companies really want are are hardcore facts and uh, really managing themselves by what the data is telling them. Uh, that applies for the company as well as for leaders. And I think the more we can measure, uh, the better off we're going to be long term. In fact, on that same CEO uh, Diversity and Inclusion Coalition, I'm in charge of the uh, the metrics subcommittee because we find that companies who are truly measuring their DNI progress and have goals uh, around diversity and goals around inclusion, those are the ones that make the biggest difference. It's one thing to sort of intellectually say this makes sense, uh, but unless you have goals and unless you're measuring your progress towards them, you're not really going to get there. I've got about 30 seconds, so I don't know if it's fair to even ask this, but I'll throw it out here uh, as you speak, Kevin. To companies around the world, what do you find the reason for the resinge, even when you have empirical data to show the bottom line benefits of all things trust, transparency in the workplace? I mean, it seems like such a no-brainer. Well, it's human nature, I think, Scott. We uh, we, we tend to fear change, and I, I, it's kind of the way we were brought up. You get comfortable um, with success, and that's one of the biggest problems with successful companies is they do get very comfortable with what got them there. and. What got you uh, there won't get. What got you here won't get you there. Is a you know Marshall Goldsmith book, and I just think more and more companies are beginning to recognize they've got to change and and not only accept change but change rapidly and get the workforce to accept that change. Makes sense. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Well, Kevin, we so appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us. Today. As always. As always. Even on Mother's Day. Thank you. Thank yes. you. Thank you. <laughs> well, happy Mother's Day to all the I4CP moms out there and all the moms who are listening. And uh, again, Angel, happy Mother's Day to you as well. Thank you very much. Thanks Kevin. again. We'll see you next week. Thanks much, Kevin. Kevin Oaks, the CEO of I4CP. Till next week, I'm Scott Murray. And I'm Angel Carlton. And as we always remind you, live your daily legacy by always leading the way. Have a great week, everybody.